KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City, a product of Tyler Media, entertaining you since 1965. Now, the Road to OKC Softball Show with Ryan Chapman and former Sooner National Champion and current OKC Spark pitcher Alex DeRocco on your home for the Sooners, 1077, the franchise. Wednesday, Oklahoma City. It's that time. It's the road to OKC here on 1077 The Franchise. I'm Brian Chapman. You don't care about me, though. You care about the superstar sitting across from me, Alex Starocco. How are you? Did First off, welcome back. Thanks for not quitting after week one. I really <laughs> appreciate you sticking with it. It means a lot. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm kind of getting nervous, excited for tomorrow. What what is uh what's your reaction as far as I went through this with Mindy Nicole Mendez in 2021 our first season of the show it was her um, and by 2021 I definitely mean 2022 wires are crossed her career ends in 2021 2022 is our first season of the show she did not know what to do with herself this week because she was like all I've known is this is go time. And the first year after she had graduated out, how are you doing? Like, are you good? Has anyone checked in? Is life good? It's a big adjustment. I feel like everyone's been checking in on me, which is like a little bit much at times. Yeah. So I'm not going to check in. (laughs) Um, I'm doing great though. And I feel like um, whether I was a player or now, this is like the worst part, the the lead up, the anticipation of everything, the the question marks everywhere, the, okay, what's it going to look like? Like, not only for fans is that a question, but like, it's also in players too. So I think like, I'm kind of in the same almost mode, although a little less travel under my belt. Yeah, you, you didn't have to, this morning as I'm waking up, which I wake up way too early. And I'm already seeing like the Instagram stories of players that are waiting for the bus. And I was just like, I'm just having to drag my butt and do radio. I'm glad I'm not having to travel, travel. That would be a disaster. Right. They, I'm pretty sure they bust to Dallas last night and then got the early flight to Mexico this morning. And by early, I mean, there was hours on the Instagram stories before I saw it. So I'm just, I'm feeling for them. They have practice today too. Yeah. Well, they have practiced, but I also saw, um, I think it was from Kelly Maxwell. It Patty Gasso travels in style. I'll, I'll put it that. It, it, I looked at it, and I was just like, and I'll be, I looked out my window, and I was like, it is dreary as hell in Oklahoma today. I am sad. Oh, yeah. The, the pictures that I'm seeing on some socials, I'm like, seriously? We went to Hawaii the year before I get there, and yeah. now you're going to Mexico, and I'm not there? You got to go to Palm Springs. Super cool. I'd never been to Marionette before, but like I have a little bit of just want to see that. Would you rather have the Puerto Vallarta experience or like the midweek trip to Baton Rouge? So like this team's not going to get to experience. I'm going to say LSU. So yeah. There you go. There you go. It all bounces out. It all bounces out in the end. Um, Big week. Obviously, Oklahoma softball gets rolling tomorrow morning. We're going to be wall-to-wall at 820. We're going to be joined by Tara Henry from Softball America. She's going to do an awesome job. Frankly, I'm just going to be here in the second segment to make sure that we hit all of our times. Um, Alex and Tara are going to do an awesome job breaking down the field in Puerto Vallarta. Um, Alex has been just absolutely knee-deep in preparation for what Oklahoma's going to face this weekend. Uh, we've got a ton. We'll get to our Ask Alex at the bottom of the show, but... We'd be remiss if we didn't start here. It was a pretty somber week, uh, a pretty somber 48 hours uh, across the state of Oklahoma as obviously the the terrible news that we got as everyone woke up yesterday morning. Toby Keith, just not just a a national icon, but someone that was profoundly and, and proud to be Oklahoman and in the middle of everything Oklahoma, more community than Norman community. He was a staple on the sideline of just OU sport, you name it, he was there. And, and I mean, you got that exposure last year, not just throughout the year, but I know that one of the very popular videos that was uh, shared was um, just everything that came out of last year's national title celebration, little sing-along action and stuff like that. I mean, what was that like for you, first for the news, but but also 
think it back to the, the title celebration, everything that, that Toby Keith has played as far as the role he was as a huge supporter of women's athletics, Sooner softball specifically. Yeah, um, it was, it, I woke up and it was, my phone was kind of blowing up and I was kind of confused. Um, but just like my mom was sending me pictures of me and Toby Keith and videos of us singing on the stage with him, which was, mind you, the first time he had performed since his um, cancer diagnosis. So that was a huge deal that he did that in the first place. And then for him to take the microphone and just go on and on about how proud of us he was and how he bought a racehorse and named it Seven Natty Patty and waited to name it um, after this national championship in honor of us was was super cool. Um, but it all, uh, me personally too, just full circle. I remember I was um, on my 12U um, travel ball team and our like celebration after winning tournaments was Red Solo Cup by Toby Keith. And I just yeah. remember kind of like having that song in the background of like those kinds of memories. So like full circle and ha- being able to sing with him, Who's Your Daddy? And um, those kinds of songs with him on stage and him, I guess, apparently my mom, int- my mom introduced me to Toby after the celebration. Yeah. Which is just hilarious in the first place. But then- Wait, hold on. <laughs> So usually the phrase introduced generally is like, I know this person. I'm going to introduce you. She did not. Yes. Yes. So, so she had, she had just met Toby Keith and then she decided she the wanted night, to introduce. So he was, he was always kind of in like our family section gotcha, of our games. Gotcha. Um, more, more in the postseason was in the family section, but I guess they got really close. Um, Toby Keith and my parents and family members that were in town the night before had explored Oklahoma City and ended up at Toby Keith's to kind of like pregame the national championship. And um, that's what the Oklahoma parents do. I'm not going to share all the stories, but it's the rowdiest parent section in America. <laughs> I would put them up with any football parent section. But it's my nuts. mom, she's she just I was shocked because she's just not one to just be like, oh, yeah, here you go. It's Toby Keith. And he, I guess like the night before, he's like, I just have a feeling Alex is starting the national championship. She goes you're you're joking right like there's no way and obviously i started but she she just casually came up to me she's like oh my gosh alex let me introduce you and i was like what <laughs> you're gonna what you're gonna, you're gonna, gonna introduce gonna... me to toby key to who okay cool so introduce me he goes oh my gosh i guess he knew like all my big games from the year and so like for him to not only be bought into just ou but also just my career here and how short it was like it was super cool to have that moment and like know that i wasn't just and like a player with Oklahoma across the chest, like he knew who I was. He he clearly knew my family well than more than I thought. And so just kind of reflecting on that. And I swear I kind of got emotional seeing like everyone's point of view of us, like singing with Toby from that night. It was like, like I got choked up more than I thought that I would. And I think that's like just how special of a person he was, especially battling everything that he did um, with his cancer diagnosis. And so he just meant a lot to the program. Um, in all of those ways. He, he's a real one. He, he's not someone that uh, was in Oklahoma when it was convenient, right? Like, he, he was involved with football. He was a big supporter of Sherry Cole and that the women's basketball program when it was really humming under Sherry and even um, all throughout uh, the, the rest of Sherry's career with Coach Gasso, all that stuff. Uh, we saw also um, the, the collegiate women's golf tournament that he hosts every single year and that it's not just Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, more than welcome. Um, there were videos that uh, the ones that I really enjoyed were from Bedlam Basketball in Stillwater. Last year, the Cowboys had won, and it was Toby and Switzer over at Eskimo Joe's singing, should have been a cow, all that stuff. Like, he was just the man. And, and so you saw it last night at uh, Oklahoma Basketball, the first of many tributes that you'll have. Pretty cool this week in Bedlam. All the beverages going to be served in Red Solo Cups. Uh, a really great tribute. And, uh, it's been a tough week, but it's also been really cool to see the celebration part of it, right? As far as from Michael Vick tweeting about him, from Stephen Colbert on uh, the Tonight Show to uh, Barstool to everyone around here, it, it's been a cool outpouring. And so uh, I knew that you had kind of a, a personal touch too, and uh, he's definitely a huge part of Oklahoma softball. So he will be missed. He will be missed, and uh, especially if Oklahoma clinches their fourth straight national title, that campaign will get underway tomorrow. It'll hit a little bit different afterward as, as that's been the spot for OU softball to uh, celebrate championships. But we do have softball tomorrow, Alex. There's no great way to transition out of it, so we'll, we'll truck through 
Um, we got to talk to Patty Gasso on Monday. Patty Gasso, Alyssa Brita, Jada Coleman. That was the trio. And we thought you and I texted back and forth. We're planning. What are we going to talk about? We're going to have to do lineup predictions, all that stuff. There is no predicting. Patty Gasso is just like, guys, set it on the table. Here's the lineup. So in case you missed it, big questions coming into this thing. Who's going to replace Grace Lyons at shortstop? Tiara Jennings, that's your shortstop, uh, to at least to start. Her and Alyssa Brito will rekindle their Batbusters combo there, the left side of the infield. They played together at third and at short. At second base, uh, Patty Gasso named a three-way battle between Alina Torres, who also will have a role in the outfield if she doesn't win that battle at second base, uh, between Alina Torres, Avery Hodge, and Quincy Lilio. I think back to the couple of games at the OU tournament that Grace Lyons missed due to um, just an injury. Um, Tiare started short one of those games. I think Q was the one that played at second in that game, if I remember correctly. Then all got shifted back around as Patty Gasser tried a couple of different things. And then in the outfield, uh, Sid Sanders at first. Kinsey Hansen's going to catch. Riley Ludlam's going to be the reserve catcher slash compete for that DP spot. Riley Boo, Jada Coleman, and then the uh, the couple of names. Hannah Core, someone that we talked about a little bit. I think we talked about. I've talked about Hannah Core so much. I, I think we talked about. It, it feels like with Hannah Core, it's going to be a pain management thing with her back. Um, if she can kind of get through that and what's best for her there. And, and then we also got Patty Gasso basically calling her shot and saying there's a freshman that it, Ella Parker is going to have to be in this lineup somehow, some way. Uh, through all of that. And so what, what was kind of your reaction when you, you just saw, first off, Patty Gasso is just going to name the lineup, basically, that, that she's going to roll out with going to Puerto Vallarta on Monday? I was shocked, truthfully, just because Coach usually kind of usually keeps that stuff under wraps. So for her to just come out and just lay it all out, I was I was kind of bummed, too, because I was like, dang, like there could have been so many predictions we could have talked about. It was a content killer. It was. Yeah. So I was kind of bummed but also excited too because that also just gives some kind of that steadiness within the team within the fan base and all that stuff um but also though too it should give some steadiness too because we saw this last year when grace lyons was out so it's nothing new um but i'm also really excited to see who steps up in that second base role because obviously moving tra over leaves that big hole because there's that's an all-american second baseman everyone's like oh how can you move Alyssa Brito the all-american from third but it's we're moving the all-american Tiari Jennings from second too so I'm excited to see the battle of um the second base and where that transitions into the outfield even too with Torres going back and forth um so I think it leaves still some questions but um a little bit of sureness too so I'm really excited about that um but yeah, coach kind of really laid it out. So I was like, dang, what do we talk about? I know. What do we do? No, I, I'm really like, so if you go through the what would the pros and cons type of, of each one rolling through, Alina Torres, first off, veteran, right? Part of the team last year, huge moments. Uh, sure handed in the infield. She played third at Arizona State in game three of Bedlam when Brito was a little bit. I think it was technically labeled as heat exhaustion. Brito yeah. was the first half of the game. She was overheated. It was, uh, it was actually crazy. Yeah. T- Torres, uh, the fact that Brito played in that game at all, I was stunned. But Torres was great at third. She made a couple of great plays uh, before Alyssa came back in. Um, so from there, you'd lose the experience from the outfield. It's not quite second base experience, but she's a veteran, veteran player. I know Patty Gasso likes having veterans there. Avery Hodge, defensive stalwart, pinch runner. The question for her will be... Has she had enough development hitting to be a big enough bat to hang with the fact that you have Alina Torres? If Hannah Core is healthy, she just hit the cover off the ball all fall. Um, Ella Parker, if she's everything that Patty Gasso, we talked to JT Gasso about her on Tuesday as well. He's super excited about what Ella Parker's bringing to the table. It's just going to be like a who's the odd woman out when, when it comes to that. And, and for Avery, I worry if she's left out, it'll be just because she's not bringing as much power as the other ones for for Hannah Core, if she's able to manage the back pain, and if you have Torres at second or Q at second, Q, I, I just I love what we saw out of her. We, she only had forty at bats last year, and so there just wasn't like a big enough sample size to see. She's got a ton of pop. We just didn't, she just didn't get a chance to see a lot of the consistency because right. a lot of that stuff was uh, Nugent and Jocelyn Erickson that were kind of the pinch hitters. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, when it comes to that outfield spot, like my mind absolutely goes to Hannah Core. I mean, her outfield like abilities um, 
are really fun to watch, um, just point blank. And then the way that she exploded in the box this fall was super exciting for me because I went through kind of like that injury with her being on our team and stuff and just seeing her fight through a lot of that. So just seeing her succeed was really, really exciting this fall. So I really hope that she's able to manage um, the back um but then also Q, like you said, she has she can do so much because she's from the left side too. So she has a little bit of that, you know, soft slap, hard slap. She has the power. Um, it's just a matter of like matchup, like Coach Coach Gasso um, talks about. And then even Avery, her hands are so good in the infield. But then also she had some amazing plays in the outfield too. So she's one of those that she can kind of fit wherever. But if she is able to grow into kind of like a Riley Boone aspect where she's able to put a bunt down, slap it through the infield or have some power behind it, I think that she's another great option. So I feel like there's going to be that aspect of kind of matchup wise because you have righties and lefties um, in there um, and just seeing what kind of flows within the offense too and how they're breaking that down and speed within the lineup too. I think that's a big deal um, as well. Like you said, Avery was a pinch runner. Hannah Core the season before was the pinch runner um, go-to as well. So there's just so many options that coach has that um, it's really just got to do with a lot of comfortability and like whether who's playing first too. If, if Sid's going to, Sid's going to start and then Ella gets in there, who who works better with who? I think a lot of that goes into that. So um, yeah. I, I just, um, if Avery Hodges made those developments to where she can be someone that, that uh, Patty Gasso and JT Gasso are comfortable throwing in there. It's hard not to think of, Alina second, just because whether you go Boone, Jada, Avery Hodge, or Boone, Jada, Hannah Core, it's going to be the most athletic outfield in the country, which th- that's not like a knock on Alina. Alina's a great athlete. It's just that she can come in and play really, really well in the infield, and then you get just that dynamism in the outfield. It's fun to think about is uh, one of those things because uh, we kind of joke about uh, on the morning show uh, if you're going to score runs against Oklahoma, if you want to hit a home run, you don't just have to hit over the fence. you got to clear five or six feet over the fence. Otherwise, Boone or Jay, like that, sorry. that There's a big landing zone on the other side of the fence, so they're going to pull that thing back. Right, yeah, exactly. And then and then you just have the experience that Alina had from this past season, too. I mean, I think of um, there was a catch that she made against UCLA on the line that she was not adjusted for for that batter. So for her to, like, pick up that, spot specifically in order to be in the lineup last year brings a lot to that um her ability to just be diverse in all of those kind of positions so like you said it just brings kind of that excitement and and we know the one thing i do know this weekend is that uh patty Gassa will tinker she likes to tinker especially in that first one even when she has her set lineup she likes to tinker uh i, I don't think oklahoma went two consecutive games with the same batting lineup at all last year because of uh um Patty Gasso's talked about marrying her gut in analytics, which I just, I really wonder when JT comes with the binders of everything. And then Coach Gasso's like, yeah, that's great. Tiari's hitting here because I want Tiari to hit here. And then he's like, okay, coach, sign up. I would love to know how many times that really happens because she's talked to us as a team of like, hey, guys, I know this can be like frustrating, but like, this is why we're doing it. Yeah. And there's the numbers, but then there's also just that feel. And I think coach is always so sure in her gut that I feel like JT would just be like, yes, yes, ma'am. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to forget all the scouting I did. We shall see. We shall see. Indeed. There's still a ton to get into. Um, I want to talk about the 10 seniors, but the kind of the core five as Jada Coleman labeled it. We're just at the bottom of the show though, as well as Kelly Maxwell, Nicole May. I want to pick Alex's brain, obviously, as someone who dominated in the circle, what, what they're kind of thinking. On the other side, though, we're going to link up with Terry Henry from Softball America. Uh, selfishly, if you want Oklahoma softball coverage, you should probably go to allsooners.com. If you want anything else, top to bottom, coast to coast, Softball America is going to be your spot all year long. Super juiced to get joined by Tara. On the other side, stick with us. You're listening to The Road to OKC here on 107.7 The Franchise. But before we do that, just a, a quick shout-out. Really, really thankful to have Resilient Softball with us once again as a sponsor. Softball season is just around the corner tomorrow. You need to make sure you have all the equipment that allows you to perform at your very best. And that equipment that you need is Resilient. Let me tell you about Resilient Softball. It's an Oklahoma-based company that produces innovative, high-quality softball products, such as the Goldilocks, our evolutionary patented glove design that ensures the perfect fit for every player. So if you want to take your game to the next level, buy Resilient Softball gear at either Gregory Sporting Goods in Moore or visit online at Resilient 
sfbl.com. And again, Resilient Softball, supporter of us last year. Support the people who want to pour money into women's athletics. That is Resilient Softball. Like I said, though, Terry Henry, Softball America, on the other side, listen to the OKC here on 107.7 The Franchise. You're listening to The Road to OKC Softball Show with Ryan Chapman and former Sooner National Champion and current OKC Spark pitcher Alex Duraco on your home for the Sooners, 1077 The Franchise. Welcome back. This is The Road to OKC here on 1077 The Franchise. Ryan Chapman alongside Alex Starocco. And we're going to waste absolutely no time headed over to the Little Caesars Hot and Ready Hotline. A big get. Shout out to our uh, just excellent, excellent executive producer slash booker of guests. That would be Alex Starocco. As Tara Henry from Softball America joins. First off, welcome. And uh, can I just say, I'm really juiced about everything that Softball America is bringing to uh, on the coverage front this season. When I saw the big announcement, I was juiced. It was a big fist pump. And uh, I was in immediately. Like I, like I told Alex here, um, selfishly, if you want Oklahoma coverage, I would like you to go to allsuiters.com. If you want anything else, coast to coast, top to bottom, Softball America is the place to be for softball coverage this year. Uh, Ryan, Alex, you guys are the best. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Super excited about softball, super excited about the new venture in Softball America, and can't wait to break it all down with the two of you. And, yes, Alex, she's an incredible booker of talent. I, I can confirm. Big, big appre- I'm glad we have that in our back pocket here because otherwise I'd be like, I, I don't know. I'll just, I'll just start firing off Twitter DMs, and people will be like, who are you? And I'll just like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, but just quickly, like, from the 10,000-foot view, we're getting going tomorrow. Um, obviously, a lot of people around here are going to be laser-focused on everything happening in Puerto Vallarta. W- what are you most looking forward to, your, your two or three big storylines, for just the opening weekend of college softball before we really dial in on a little bit of Oklahoma, some Duke, Washington, all that fun stuff? Well, we'll get into the Puerto Vallarta because I know that's the, the meat and potatoes of it. But, gosh, there's just so much. There's just so much incredible softball happening uh, across the nation. And we put up a lineup uh, today on Softball America to kind of give give the fans an idea of what we're taking a look at. But obviously we'll get into Puerto Varda, but Clemson uh, and Oregon, huge matchup on MLB Network. Uh, first live games that MLB is going to produce there uh, for week one opening day. And then, gosh, you take a look at Texas. Uh, versus UCLA on ESPN. These are, this is big time. I, I, Alex, I, I know you agree here to have softball on linear television opening weekend is just massive for our sport. And uh, those are the, the matchups I'm taking a look at. And, and also Florida State uh, versus Charlotte out in Tallahassee. So a couple matchups. But in terms of taking a look at the national scene, there's just there's top 25 matchups, top 10 matchups top five matchups all across the country opening week. And I just couldn't be happier that we're starting softball season tomorrow. I know me too, Tara. I just can't get over. Like you said, I feel like me and you have been like absolute BFFs on Twitter, just retweeting each other of like, holy crap. Like everything is on (laughs) MLB network or ESPN or, um, all of these awesome like networks just to be able to, um, view all of this softball in February, which is super exciting. Not this weekend, but FS1 picked up a Bedlam game. I can't remember Fox trying to cut into the softball game as well. So it's not this weekend, but it's more and more networks, not just opening weekend cutting in. I love it. And bring everybody, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I love it. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, no, I'm just excited just because, like you said, there's some key matchups, and then you have Florida State. Like you said, I feel like I have that matchup just because Charlotte this pack, these past couple of years have always kind of had that kind of murky water game of kind of blowing a team up that they don't usually do. So that's a game that I'm also looking forward to, but I kind of have definitely circled the Puerto Vallarta, just obviously di- diving into some Oklahoma stuff. What are your scenes while in Mexico? Well... If you take a look at both weekends, we'll we'll focus on weekend one, obviously, with the Sooners traveling to Mexico. Wasn't quite sure if they were going to Puerto Varda. As you well know, Alex, a season ago, you're out here in Irvine uh, in my neck of the woods. But to see just uh, opening day matchup uh, with Duke, 
it is the game, and early over here for, for me on the West Coast, it's the game that I've got my eye on uh, for Thursday. The Duke uh, Blue Devils, Marissa Young, doing an incredible job with that stuff. Uh, uh, and, again, took a leave of absence uh, in the fall. Her husband has had some health issues, and I spoke with her at length, and she's been really impressed with how her staff really took the reins and, and took over uh, the squad there for the the Blue Devils, but always tough. I think we might get a Cassidy Curd. I think we might get the lefty Alex uh, in that game. Totally it, it would be a good <laughs> it would be a good test for her, and I think it'd be really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely I think the OU game of the weekend will be against Duke. They they return the most. Um, girls from last season they have some studs on the in their lineup within kelly torres anna gold claire davidson um kind of had herself a year last year but then also returning like you said some some power in the circle with cassidy curd which is who i think the sooners are going to see um this weekend but they also have experience in jayla Wright, and then they also had a grad transfer from Pitt, danielle Drugmuller, which who i actually um played with in high school she's from my area so i think they added some core with her from Pitt, but i also think that duke has the medius lineup um that the sooners will face this um weekend um what are your thoughts on washington's kind of lineup um this weekend and then also just rebuilding after their year um, last year with obviously how much talent they had um, and graduated. Yeah, I, I think when you take a look at Washington, you look at Ruby Malin, who shined in the circle for the Huskies as a freshman, a tall uh, right-hander in the circle. But Lindsay Lopez really came on strong there at Washington, and I, I really think she's going to be key uh, to helping take a load of innings uh, from Malin. The issue is the offense. When you, when you graduate Bailey Klinger, you graduate Sammy Reynolds, Madison Husky, uh, Silent Rain Espinoza, you're looking at, I want to say, Alex, I think it's, a, and that's about you know 60% of their RBIs producing uh, runs there. And, and Kelly Lynch, who transferred to LSU. So the real question mark is going to be that offense for Washington. Now, again, you can argue that Heather Tars squad they might have a rocky start, but towards the end of the season, they miraculously always show up in OKC. So they always figure it's it out. Be, <laughs> they right? always do. I know. So it's going to be uh, – it's a good barometer, I think, for the season. And all eyes should be on Puerto Vallarta other than these, you know, two games out here at UCLA because there's, we're going to find a lot out about these teams pretty early with these matchups. We're talking to Tara Henry from Softball America here on the road to OKC. I'm going to commit a cardinal sin of Uh-oh. Oklahoma City Radio. Um, there's another red team that's out in Puerto Vallarta that will be taking on Washington and Duke and Long Beach State and Utah Valley. What is Nebraska going to be with, with Jordy? Obviously, they were in the Stillwater Regional a year ago, so it, it's not like it's Jordy plus just nobody. Like, like They have a strong core, a, a strong um, base to, to add her into. Did they do enough elsewhere bringing in talent around Jordy to make Nebraska kind of a, an actual uh, live super threat here in 2024? You know, I think so, Matt. It's a great question. And I spoke with Rhonda Ravel. She jumped on our podcast pretty early this week. And it's funny because obviously the media and uh, I don't know if it's a cardinal sin. I feel like your fans still love Jordy. Um, but it's not really, they're not focused internally on Jordy, which I think is really interesting. And I think that's how they're going to go about managing uh, the noise throughout the season. But, you know, Brooke and Billy Andrews, uh, the pair of sisters there, have always been um, really strong for the Huskers with Caitlin Canada, Caitlin Neal, Peyton Cody. Um, and I. I I think, Jordy, it might be that missing piece. And um, with the Big Ten Championship, and Alex, you can speak about playing Nebraska. You've got a pretty good idea of what that squad right. has looked like in that senior class. Like was, You can kind of 
I would say you've got a, a good idea because you played against them. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't say that Nebraska doesn't have any meat to their lineup. They definitely do, with, yeah. especially Billy Andrews, I feel like was a player that always kind of stood out. Um, but they, like, uh, Coach Ravel has always done a, um, had a good program and stuff. So the Big Ten, we're not, we're not going to talk down about it um, for sure. But No, no I was, <laughs> shoot, they were, uh, they were an inning away from forcing the if game against Oklahoma State in the, uh, the regional final right, from uh, Kona Lay back. I won't lie. I was kind of rooting for him. You were oh, interesting. It. It, for us, it would it would have been really bad for the content around here, but that that's fine. That's fine either way. Um, Tara, there a couple other. I just had two other questions about teams across the country. Yeah. Um, one in Big Twelve land, um, Texas just uber young last year. Really, really strong showing. I thought as Mike White had to do a ton of replacing coming off of uh, the team that was in the champ series a couple of years ago. Obviously, a, a stud young freshman coming into the circle. Uh, how excited are you for what the Texas product could be this year as far as a group that kind of maybe performed over their head as far as what they had to do last year with so many young pieces? Well, I don't know necessarily if they performed over their head. I, I'd argue that uh, they, they've got a pretty talented squad there. And, you know, it's funny because I asked a few folks, you know, who's going to be the ace? Uh, and I would I was thinking it was Mac Morgan. I saw Mac Morgan throw a, a ton of innings for the Longhorns. You look at obviously Sophia Simpson or Estelle Check, and uh, the answer is the freshman uh, Tegan Kavan. And uh, I heard that the six foot right hander is is going to be the one that is maybe maybe the ace. Uh, and I can confirm that I watched her play play this summer and, and throw in travel ball and. You know she throws a she she throws some gas, and I think that's that's going to be a, a really key piece to Texas's pitching staff because you got you got the freshman, and then you got a sell check, uh, and then you got Mac Morgan, uh, sit, sit Lolly Gutierrez, Sophia Simpson, so a lot of weapons in the circle for the Longhorns, and you know some some pretty stud athletes as well and uh on that offensive end so you've got Mia Scott uh you've got Vivi Martinez Reese Atwood Leanne Good uh, I'm pretty high on Texas and I haven't always been high on Texas but I think this year uh, they've got a, a lot of the the missing pieces um and just need to make sure they play some pretty good defense I think that's where uh the question mark's always been for me between Oklahoma, Texas, the Cowgirls, Baylor, and everything they built last year, UCF, the, the strength of that program coming to the Big 12, it's going to be a really fun year for, for Big 12 softball. I'm juiced, especially with like the games Texas Tech, Iowa State, Canada. Like it, it was a, a lot better top to bottom than it has been the last couple of years last year, and uh, looks like the Big 12 only added to that. Last one I've got, headed back uh, West Coast, Stanford, one of the absolute stories of the Women's College World Series for – I, I think they maybe flew under the radar a little bit heading in when they shouldn't have for what uh, just the absolute studs of, of Vodder and Kennedy out there. Obviously, Vodder transfers out. Can Stanford take that next step? Uh, Alex, you know firsthand just how toughing out the, the Cardinal were as well. Well, I think when you take a look at the Cardinal, I think you said it right there, Matt, it is Nyjah Kennedy uh, is the key factor there. And as Nigel Kennedy goes, I think so are the are the Cardinal and Alana Vodder transferring out to South Carolina. Uh, it's a bit of a blow, but I, I, you know, you added Taryn Kern. You've got a big bat in the lineup, and I can't say enough about Jessica Allister. Her ability to recruit, her ability to develop talent, keep talent. Uh, you know, I, I would say I haven't heard of very many people transferring out of Stanford. So I think that Vodder. Uh, move was a shock to most of the softball community, but I think Stanford might be be the one to beat here out in the pack. And uh, I'd argue UCLA had something to say to say about it. But when you got an arm like Nigel Kennedy, as Alex, uh, you can attest and you can add to. I, I think it's hard to bet against her. Right, absolutely. And I think it really comes with like everyone has been talking about like the upward of speed within pitchers, and it's kind of common now to see that sixty eight, sixty nine, which was kind of impossible to find a couple of years ago but now when you have Nyjah on the mound you see the numbers on the ESPN gun and some people you know him and haw but when 
Oklahoma's batters are coming back in the lineup or coming back in the dugout, and they're like, "Yep, no, those are those are some real numbers." And I think um, a lot of science comes into that too. You got that rise ball, and that's just a pitch that's always fun to throw for myself, but also um, can raise some questions for some hitters. Um, and I think she is just a stud, and she's young, and and with Vodder transferring out, it's really if her shoulder can take you know, that those kinds of innings and is Taryn Kern enough to really provide some pop in that lineup. They I know they graduated a lot. They had a kind of an older lineup um within Stanford. But um another one for me that, that when we talk about Kennedy is also the the freshman from Tennessee, the drop ball um pickens. Um mm-hmm. she she provided a lot of stuff, but I think she she's gonna be a sneaky pitcher this year that's gonna get away with a lot of innings and a lot of success too. So if if Tennessee is able to really kinda ride with her and compliment her along with the the lineup and and the pitching i think tennessee is another one across the country that can can still really fight um their way through the schedule it should be a ton of fun i i can't wait to get everything rolling tomorrow i was telling alex earlier uh i'm glad i get done with all my radio stuff at 10 a.m so that i can just central so i can just uh kick the feet back up and uh take it all in. it's gonna be an absolute show all weekend long uh, across not just the country, but down in Mexico as well. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to get it going. Can't, can't wait to get it started. I agree with you, Alex, when, you, when you're talking about Pickens. Uh, I feel like you, you've got that insight where you've talked to a few hitters because uh, I think we're talking to some of the same hitters, and, and I know that when you've got people stepping in the box and coming back talking about, whew, wow, that thing's coming in quick or that thing's jumping, that's hard to see. Uh, Pickens is another one of those, so you're spot on with that, and and I can't wait to hear you guys all season long as well. This is so great. Uh, thank you, thank you both for having me on. Uh, thanks for coming aboard, and uh, be sure to tune in all year. But also, if you're listening right now and you're thinking, ah, man, Tara's awesome. Where can I find all of her great work and the entire team that you've assembled? Uh, where, where's the home for all of that? Yeah, head on over to softballamerica.com and. Just like you said, we've got a an incredible team that we just announced today, a whole podcast network. So we'll have a podcast every day of the week for softball fans and covering uh, conferences across the entire country and hopefully can bring you all uh, the coverage that you love and deserve and obviously talk about the Sooners every now and again. We we can do that. I'm sure that Mindy will have a little bit of that as well. As yeah. She does. Yeah, we, that's right. Nicole Mendez. Great plug. Nicole Mendez will be on the podcast network. We love Mindy. We love Mindy. Uh, thank you so much. I, I know uh, you must be impossibly busy the night before, but uh, thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, have a great night, you too. You too as well. Terry Henry, Softball America does an outstanding job. If you missed it, um, the transfer portal is not just for players. It's for entire websites as well. As uh, that whole great crew rolling over to Softball America, that is a spot to be. This is the road to OKC here on 107.7 The Franchise. Ryan Chapman alongside Alex Duraco. Real quick, uh, another one of our great sponsors is Case & Associates. You can find Case, find home at Visit Case USA for available apartments in your favorite part of OKC. Guys, I live in a Case property. It's like the best decision I ever made. Super, super uh, nice, easy maintenance responsive front office responsive i absolutely love it head to caseusa.com but on the other side we got our ask alex segment your questions been flowing in all day we gotta talk about the core five we gotta talk about kelly maxwell and nicole may we got plenty of show left don't go anywhere to to the okc softball show with ryan chapman and former sooner national champion and current okc spark pitcher alex Dorocco on your home for the sooners 1077 the franchise your work, how your boss is a jerk. We talk about your church and your head when it hurts. We talk about the troubles you've been having with your brother, about your daddy and your mother and your crazy ex-lover. We talk about your friends and the places that you've been. We talk about your skin and the dimples on your chin, the polish on your toes. And Welcome back. Closing out the show. This is The Road to OKC here on 107 of the Franchise. Ryan Chapman alongside Michigan great, Sooner great, just all around great person, Alex Starocko. We've also got our guy, Dave Meyer, dude, a fantastic job keeping us on there, doing all the fun stuff behind the scenes. We've got so much to hit here in this segment, so we're going to try and just sprint through it all as as well as we can do it. Um, we got to get to Ask Alex. We'll do that kind of to, to close out the show. Um, I want to pick your brain about Kelly and Nicole and Carly, but the, the steps that Kelly and Nicole are going to be taking, but... Before we do any of that, I'm struck by 
when uh, Monday, when we were talking with Coach Gasso, the first thing that she talked about is the 10 seniors on this team, which includes some transfers, things like that. Um, and, and Patty Gasso was talking about how much she hopes Oklahoma fans and just anyone who enjoys softball are able to cherish that that group of 10 amazing athletes, amazing humans as they kind of embark on this last journey. And, and I want to circle back and follow up 10 seniors, but five of that group have been with Oklahoma through the recruiting process, signed on as freshmen, have been here the whole time. That five being Terry Jennings, Jada Coleman, Kinsey Hansen, Riley Boone, Nicole May. And I asked Coach directly about that five. Sometimes I don't know how big picture Coach wants to get, um, especially on the verge of the season starting. But uh, Patty Gasso delivers as only Patty Gasso can. She, she gave a phenomenal minute answer about what, what that five has meant to Oklahoma and to this program and I think it's something that, that people should know and be excited for. Uh, here's Coach Gasso on, on what Jada Coleman labels the core five. I think about them more than I ever have because I know this is like the end of a well, I don't want to say that because we have a good freshman class. So it's not the end of a big, long string, but it is the end of one of the most elite classes that has ever and may ever play softball. So that's why I understand that, because I get to see it every day. Um, they're special, they're different, and their style of competitive spirit is uh, very infectious on this team. And it's really infectious to our freshmen, which is exactly what I'm looking for. So um, they have big personalities, they're great players, they're great young women. So. Um, it's going to be hard to see them go, and I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to coach the heck out of them and try to get every ounce of softball out of them that we can. Talk about like just the leadership. How essential were all of that crew just to helping you get your feet under you at Oklahoma and, and, and the whole process of getting ramped up to get adjusted to Oklahoma's a little bit different animal. The way that Patty Gasso runs, the, it's just different. Haters talk about it takes a year to figure out how JT wants them to hit. Coach Rocha, all of that. What was that group like for you? I think like a word that really hits it um, on the tee that Coach said was infectious. And I think they do that within their leadership, their energy. Like um, they're just vocal people, but they do it in different ways. And, and each of them have very different personalities, but they're so sure-footed um, in their softball ways, in their OU ways. And I think that when... They've seen a lot of turnover, truthfully, whether that's um, classmates that have transferred out, people that have transferred in, and yet they still have gone along this path of success and just a mountain of glass ceilings that they're breaking at every turn, which I think is so exciting and it's so rare because it is really rare to put together, especially a core five, that's a big group, um, to really just go through everything and still be so sure-footed in everything that they do. Um, and a big one for me was was Nicole in the in the bullpen, and I think she is like that that kind of secret leader that she doesn't even know that she has within herself. But like I turn to her for a lot of questions. But I think each of them have a different aspect of the game that they're so good at. And Coach even goes into that into that interview and says like she'll has to get she has to get back to coaching eventually once this group graduates which I think is really funny because this group knows the ins and outs of coach Gasso of the system of the program that she's kind of right she like everyone just goes to these core five about any any kind of questions that they have before they go to coach Gasso because there's going to be an answer before you need to go to coach Gasso and I think when you have that kind of leadership within a program it's what builds something that's so so su successful that Coach Gasso has built. The other half of that senior class will be Alyssa Brito, who Jada Coleman jokingly was like, Brito's in the, she, it's crazy she didn't come here to start with. Uh, you also have Alina Torres, who obviously um, won a natty with that crew last year. And then your your three graduate senior transfers in pitchers, Kelly Maxwell, Carly Keeney, and then uh, Riley Ludlam, who I'm excited to see what Rod Ludlam was. She's one of the big unknowns. There wasn't a lot for me to like dive into before fall ball, and she was awesome uh, the couple times I was out there. So excited to see what kind of development that that she's made. But you talk about development. Coach Rocha is known for being able to take not just uh, pitchers and, and take them to the next level, but specifically, she's great at working with graduate transfers that come in. Uh, a year before you, Alex, obviously Hope Troutwine did wonders with Coach Rocha. You were sensational as well. Um, 
what do you we talked with JT Gasso too on Tuesday. I asked him about Carly Keeney and Kelly Maxwell as someone who scouted them last year and years prior, obviously with, with Kelly, versus what they've done to frustrate the hitters and JT joked about Kelly that about midway through fall, the hitters were coming back and going, where has this been? We, we did not prep for that ever. What's that process like for Kelly Maxwell and Carly Keeney as far as coming in? First off, work with, work with Coach Rocha, but also it feels like you could be a lot more aggressive when you've got Jada Coleman in center and you had a Grace Lyons behind you and, and just everything that's happened. Like, How big of a difference is that when you know you have the full might of the Oklahoma defensive machine, which is Patty Gasso's like, she does the defense. If the defense is poor, Patty Gasso will be pretty annoyed with us in press conferences. Not anything we did because she's like, that's what I do. And, and th- that's not happening. Like, not here. Right. Um, Coach Rocha is so fun to learn from. And I think a big part of like working with grad transfers that she does so well is, and this might sound weird, but really getting to know how you throw and how you are successful. Because I feel like even at Michigan, but probably other programs too, you really don't dive into how good you are at and what's your strong suits um, with like the little details of like where your spin naturally goes, where, where your best pitch goes, where you're having trouble with, you know, certain pitches or attacking certain spots in the strike zone. And when coach and coach Rocha, she dives into it. She literally did it on my visit which I think just blew me away in the first, she already had solutions for me. And I think that's part of what sold me in the first place. Um, but when you're able to like, oh, like you kind of like deep dive into yourself and scout yourself before you make the adjustments. And when you know the why of making of making adjustments, I think that just adds to the next level of execution that you get when you're under Coach Rocha. Um, not only that, but like Coach Rocha just dices up her scouts with hitters and it's so fun to learn from her um, and really be able to dissect a swing um, of someone, which I thought I did well um, until I met Coach Rocha and her scouts. Um, so it's just super fun to see how she takes your uh, like strengths and really buys into them, but then also uses them to just go into a weakness of a hitter. So I think with Kelly and Carly, I think they'll really buy into not only like the physically just better you'll be without having as many innings as they have in the past. Um, I experienced that too. It's, I was refreshing to kind of feel as good as I was later in the season. Never experienced that before. Um, but then also like mentally kind of refreshed because you're not taking that psychological strain of like, okay, if I don't do well, if I have one bad inning, like what's that going to be? Because you can also just throw it so free because you know, you have a defense behind you. The amount of double plays that were t- turned behind me this past year, I was like, oh my gosh, this is possible. What and- is happening? <laughs> really? So it's like, it's kind of fun to see my defense work instead of putting it all on my shoulders. And I think that's a relief that you feel not only physically, but mentally. And I think Kelly um, and Carly both will feel that immensely um, this season. So we look at the other kind of veteran arm there. Um, Nicole May has worked with Coach Rocha through, uh, you know, her whole career for you. And and again, I feel like I get the sword out every single June. And I feel like I'm fighting a one man war when it comes to the not everyone that's listening to the road to OKC right now. The people that lock in only in June and haven't seen Nicole May all year long. And I feel like I'm like, just go put, for instance, last year, go put Nicole May and Jordy Ball's numbers side by side. ERA, batting average, whip, all that stuff. Basically the exact same thing. is, And, and Nicole was that start to finish consistency. She didn't have to work herself into the year, which is something that Jordy had to do coming off the injury. For you, as you see, Nicole, what is, what is the, the next step for her to take this year to, to take her game even farther? Is it just as simple as... Because she's the veteran, she gets the ball in those big moments and she can go and show it because it it was one of those things where um, Nicole May was so clutch against Texas during the Champ Series two years ago. Uh, We saw as a true freshman, Supers against Washington, Bedlam and Stillwater, all that. She just didn't get the opportunity in the Women's College World Series last year because Jordy was handed a ton of those innings at the end of the uh, at the end of the year. Yeah, I think like I talked earlier in the show today. Like, she is such a behind-the-scenes leader, and I don't even think she knows it. Um, And when you have someone that you're able to go to and be like, hey, like, what do you see? And it's someone that thinks very differently than you. I think 
Nicole in herself, she's so abstract. She's so just fun loving, but also in just a different way. And, and everyone kind of sees that sometimes because they kind of like, they're like, okay, what's with this girl? She headbangs in the, in the dugout, but then you don't see emotion from her on the mound. And like, if that isn't like the most like picture perfect Nicole May, I don't know what is, but it, this season I'm really excited for her to just really buy into that leadership role and, and really be able to become that, that pitcher for for the staff this year um she deserves that she's worked for that and so when she buys into it herself and and the fans need to too because i know that i kind of put out a slide tweet last year like no may on this list are we serious um and so i just i'm excited to see her kind of really buy into that role because she hasn't had it yet um and she deals with that so well you see a lot of pitchers throughout their, their career that they know that they deserve more and they want more, but they don't get it and they kind of crumble in that. But I feel like Nicole is just always built on that. And I think that's what makes her so silently good. She's like that secret ninja within the the, um, the staff. So I'm just excited to see her um, become that, that new leader. And I think that that's where it also comes into bringing in the youngsters of SJ and and Peyton and and Deal and I'm really really excited for Katie to get her her spot to shine this this season. Yeah, she came on huge. What was it? Bedlam, the huge comeback, and then from there that felt like the rubber stamp of Coach Gas and Coach Archer. Like, yeah, we can just throw her the same that we can throw Alex or Jordy or Nicole, whatever spot duty we need a lefty, toss her in there. So it'll be t- a ton of fun. One of the, my favorite things to do is I'm terrible photographer but i do step into the photo well from time to time just to shoot nicole may would actually be disgusted by the work that i do is i know that she's excellent there funny you say that that like hearing like when you hear the chants from like where we sit and stuff like that it all kind of like blends in um and then i there was one game early in the season that someone was just banging on the uh the shelving that uh, above the bench i like look over and it was nicole may and she was like no voice, just absolutely full throttle. And I was just like, whenever we talk to you, it's just quiet. How many words can I say to get in and out of this? At minimum possible on the mound. Cool. Calm. You can't tell if she's just gotten out of the biggest jam or if it's just like the first pitch of the game. And I was just like, I, I use this a lot when I talk about like uh, football players, like psychopaths in like the best way, like the mindset you have to have. I was like, Nicole May is right up there as far as like, the best way of having like just the the competitor mindset just flip it on i'm just like this person's insane like like in like the the way that we love in sports right i've always kind of joked that pitchers kind of have to be a little bit psycho in order to be a pitcher yeah. and we even joke about that too within the bullpen but no it's so funny because nicole is the one that will make it a competition to see how many people can lose their voice and she always wins by not no no joke, like end of the first game, she is hoarse and she's like, okay, guys, I have to hit the shelf with my left hand because I can't hit it with my right because it is my pitching hand. We're like, we got it. You got your role. You you own it. She owns it. She owns everything that she does. And and, and I love that about her because she is able to flip that switch. Um, and I think that, that also just makes her so good and so fun to watch. Excited to see a lot more Nicole May this year. I, I really enjoy seeing Nicole pitch. I I've have her entire career. So we're going to close out the show. we got a couple minutes here. We're going to do this every single week. Your chance to chip in. It's our Ask Alex segment. All week long, if you just hit up Alex and I on Twitter, at Alex Storacco, at underscore Ryan Chapman, Put a hashtag AskAlex on it, mainly because it's easier for me to sift back through. You don't have to just think on a Wednesday and fire it. If you have a question on a Saturday, hit it. We'll pick two or three of the best ones for Alex to answer each week. We got two today before we hop out of here. The first one comes from OU Reb. What does Coach Rocher say when she comes out to the mound during the game? What's that conversation like? I don't get to talk to Coach Rocher a whole lot or, frankly, JT until um, we, we got to link up with him every Tuesday. I can tell from the, her interactions, she's very fun-loving, very, very sweet. But I've, I, too, have always wondered, like, what is the mound visit? What, what's, what is happening when, when she comes out and talks to you guys? It takes a special kind of person to have to deal with the said psychopaths of the team, like I said, with the pitchers in the bullpen. But she is such, like, a mother figure in the bullpen, which I think what makes her also so good. She literally che- treats us like her own children. And so when she comes out, to the mound it's kind of funny because like i said there's so many different personalities within the bullpen so um last year whether that's coming out to nicole me jordy um kd we're all very different so obviously we we approach things differently but she's always so cool calm and collected and it's 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 her really talking about 
like you, like soothing you, like resetting you, because that's a big word for us is reset. And so going back into that mindset of attacking a hitter, but she does it in such a calm way. It's like, oh, is it actually a close game right now or is it not? Like, are we are we run ruling them or are we not? So it's just she kind of settles you and really lets you take back the reins and I think that's exactly what a mound visit should be from your pitching coach and um, she's just so good at what she does but also how she says things and I think that's just another addition to why she is so good with the amount of pitchers especially when not only when you're developing them through four years but also when you're getting them for your for your, their last year and and so when she's able to just come out there and be like hey what's up okay we're here now what was our main goal for today and what's a key that's going to work for you from this point on? And you're like, oh, we're not in a battle right now? Okay, cool. It's good. <laughs> Life, was she a, were you a pitcher that she's like, crack a quick joke? Was it just the, hey, we're um, here? One of those things. What, what was the strategy for dealing with Alex Draco? Um, I was crack a joke, smile, yeah, fun loving. Like even Hanson knew that like if I was frustrated or I threw three balls in a row, it was okay, let's talk about dinner next uh, week or yeah. you know figure that out so I was always it was never like a hardcore kind of conversation totally fair totally fair last one from Seth who by the way fantastic you softball follow loves it uh what are your thoughts on the new rule that allows pitchers to disengage both feet from the playing surface during their pitch good bad ugly worst thing to ever happen not a big deal at all what do you I'll- got I was actually really excited that he asked this truthfully because I've been in the game long enough that I was actually my freshman year was when you had to start with both feet on the rubber, which was kind of tricky. And then after that, they took that away. Um, So that obviously changes a lot, too. But this is huge because I feel like this just has been the just biggest controversy when it comes to pitchers. I mean, you have the Kelly Barnhill, the Jordy Ball, the um, Emma Lumley um, from Virginia Tech. There's so many pitchers um, that I guess quote-unquote, noticeably do it. But when you really look at it, um, a lot of pitchers leave the ground eventually. Ruby Malin does it. I do it in some of my pictures. But truthfully, it's about about what is natural for a pitcher's body. And like in the in the game of pitching, you're truthfully not using your legs enough and you're not using your body enough if you're not leaving the ground. And so I'm excited about this rule. I don't think it really makes a difference because some people do it naturally and some people kind of add it in and I don't know how because I never could teach myself to possibly leave in the ground or crow hop per se but when you when I finally started to like buy into like later in my career whether that was at Michigan or even here at OU especially here at OU I started the leaving leaving the ground a little bit more and you can see it in some action shots but like I could never feel it and it's like such a split second that I think I only have it had it called on me once at Iowa State and I was like there's no way and then I actually rewatched it I was like okay maybe for a split second but I know he didn't see that eye for eye so whatever I'll just strike her out again but I don't I don't think it makes a difference I just also think it goes into just the biology of a human body and just going from a stationary motion into how intensely we use our bodies, it's it's more natural for you to to leave the ground. So it's, I'm not going to say I'm in favor for it, but if your body naturally does it to produce the best product of a pitch, do it. Yeah, I, obviously I haven't studied the the science of a pitch like you guys do for for everything like that. From my perspective, one of the big talking points last year and last couple of years has been pace of play, and that one of the big positives of softball that has allowed it to become such a heavily consumed TV sport is that it pretty well fits into a two, two and a half hour slotted window, one of those things. And and as we move into an era where there's more pitching changes, things like that, shout out Texas Tech, uh, the prince that was promised in that uh, on that front. Um, like it, it just, pace of play is a big talking point, whether it needs to be uh, a, a firmer pitch clock, stuff like that. And for me, like the biggest thing is like, we're not going to have conferences about this. We're not going to have to circle back and redo or, or stuff like that. And, and put everybody, we need to stop. We need to call the illegal pitch. Let's put it up on the board, get it up to the press box. The new count is this, all that right. stuff. It, it, it just seems like things just move a little bit quicker for something that has never felt like a massive, massive deal, except for homie in the crowd. It's Gene Crow hopping, which I appreciate those people, but uh, you're going to have to find something new. Uh, out of the box. The out of the box is going to be the new one. Yeah, that it, that's it for is. sure the big one. But like I said, it's also so hard to teach that. So like if people, if fans think that that's going to bring a big issue, like you said, it's going to be more of a time thing than anything and calling time and 
doing all that stuff, but I think it's just a natural body thing. Like, I don't think coaches are teaching it, so I don't think it's going to be a huge problem. You heard it here from Alex Straco. If it uh, becomes a big deal, all your hate mail to at Alex Straco on Twitter, pretty please. Or we can just send all to Matt. I don't, I don't know where Matt's going. We can send all to Matt. No, kidding, kidding, kidding. Uh, We're quickly running out of time here. Just one more quick plug. We're so thankful for the sponsors who are investing in the road to OKC, things like that. Um, Riverwind Casino is another one of those big sponsors. Got a couple of shows coming up. Scotty McCreary's rolling through Riverwind. Uh, February 23rd, door's going to open at 7, show begins at 8, tickets for that are going to start at $50. Jim Gaffigan's also going to be uh, taking the stage on March 23rd, those tickets starting at $83. Two showtimes to choose from, 5 p.m., 8 p.m. Head over to Riverwind for all of your entertainment wants and needs. But Alex, that'll do it right out of time. Next time we get together, we're going to be breaking down games that have happened. I can't wait. Me neither. I can't wait. But this has been The Road to OKC. Big shout out to Alex Draco. Thank you again to Dave Maverick doing a great job uh, behind the scenes here keeping us on air. Uh, if you miss any of the show, this thing's going to be podcast out there. Just search um, The Road to OKC on either Apple, Spotify, or do your podcast. Head to thefranchiseok.com. Whole show, if you missed any of it, will be up there as well. But until next time, enjoy the softball happening across the country. And uh, we'll be locked into the Sooners. We'll talk to you guys next Wednesday.